welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and I am here with special co-host, Jackie. And we're talking to Riot Games. And I have two people here today. Ashwin Raghuraman is an AWS employee that's doing all things Riot Games. Thank you for coming on, sir. Hey, guys. Nice to talk to everyone. And we have Zach Conser, who's the tech lead for cloud at Riot Games. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me. For folks who aren't gamers, because if anyone's a gamer, they're going to know what Riot Games is and League. And maybe they've seen Arcane. You know, there are people that have actually seen Arcane that maybe haven't played League. Why don't we just get into who is Riot Games? What makes Riot Games different? All right. So uh, Riot Games obviously makes a couple of the biggest titles out there. League of Legends and uh, Valorant got lots of other cool stuff in the works too. We need to talk about that offline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't, can't get into that too much. <laughs> uh, I, we're, um, we're a gaming company that strives to be the most player-focused company in the world. So, you know, who, who we are is really in our values. We really try to focus on player experience and, uh, and just being one of the best entertainment companies out there. Yeah, and for me as a gamer, I never, I, and I guess you are, but like I never consider you AAA. There's just like this, you know what I'm Indie saying? Just, kinda, I guess. Like, yeah, it's still there. You know, and it's, it's, uh, it, I have a lot of respect for it and, and you could tell that everybody puts their hearts into it. So, so thank you. It's like we day do it one. For you. We do it for you. <laughs> it's like what Jeff would say day one, right? Day one versus day two. It's like the day right. one of, of, of gaming. Yeah. So Ashwin, why don't you talk a little bit about the, the AWS partnership with Riot and uh, everything that you're, you know, working on and everything that's happening. Totally. So kind of like taking it all the way back, right? So Riot first began uh, working with AWS in 2012, and we've really continued to grow our relationship and support a number of different workloads across the company. So like, for example, in 2020, um, we had the global launch of Valorant. And one really cool kind of application of AWS technology for that launch was they used AWS Outposts to reduce the latency for players so that they could have, you know, fair, you know, matches of Valorant all across the globe. And that way, you know, one person didn't have a drastically lower latency than other players in the match, right? So Riot's really been working with AWS for a really long time on problems that are very specific to the games industry and are really like pushing the bleeding edge as to how can we take technology and apply it to these problems. So just following up on that bit you're talking about with in the 2020 launch of Valorant and having to make sure that the networking was running smoothly and that everyone was having lower latency to have a fair game. What were some of the things that you did that were helped you, helped you to accomplish that? Yeah, so one of, the, one of the things that we invest in is kind of our own network edge that we call Riot Direct. It, it allows us to optimize basically the, the path directly to gamers. So we can sort of connect with uh, local ISPs and ensure that traffic is routed in the most optimal way back to our data centers. So we like we invest a ton in that and uh, shout out to Riot Direct. They do an awesome job that, you know, there are regions where we have to supplement that with with other technologies. That's where AWS has kind of stepped in. We we ran some some of our regions on Global Accelerator just just to try to meet our latency targets. Um, Valorant has like a super aggressive latency target, so we have to kind of do whatever we can. But yeah, between Riot Direct and um, Global Accelerator, you know, we were able to meet or be very close to those targets in, in most regions. Well, one of the cool things they actually did was at the very beginning, right, 
players when connecting to a Valorant game server would either ride the Ride Direct Edge or the Amazon Global Accelerator Edge to the game server and back. But um, through kind of work with you know our teams and also like great engineering work at Riot, they were able to uh, basically make every single one of the 10 players within a Valorant match be able to use the edge that is uh, most performant for them. So basically at the beginning of a match, uh, your client will ping both Amazon Global Accelerator and Riot Direct. And based off of which edge is better, you will then ride that edge to the game server. So that way everyone's latency is as low as it possibly can. And we offer both uh, options for every player. And that way we're always like taking the lower of those two. I think this is really cool. So I actually play Valorant the most out of all of my Riot games and just how fast everything happens. I can definitely see why that has to be such a low latency. And just getting to hear a little bit about how that actually happens and the connections and everything is like really just awesome to me, actually. Zach yeah. can probably elaborate a little more, but Riot does a lot of like really cool like uh, technical work on the actual game server itself, right? Like the actual tick rate of the server. They put a lot of optimizations into the game server to make it uh, as performant as it is. But I mean, yeah, Zach, I'll, I'll let you kind of elaborate there because uh, I mean, there's there's a lot they've done. A ton of effort has been spent on like the performance engineering side of Valorant and and trying to you know build a game that is just I guess like super high tick rate and and optimize for that. I can't get really too far into the specifics, but uh, yeah, yeah, we spent a lot of time fine tuning that, and uh, it's good to hear that I, that uh, results in a great player experience. Yeah, it's so, and I'm gonna date myself here, but like I was the guy, you know, I was playing on my Commodore. Right, Commodore 64, then I went Amiga, then I went to consoles. And I remember the first time Doom came out and I had like a, ban a, a, a BNC connector. My brother and I drilled a hole through our closet, our door, our rooms were next to each other and we were basically running over a network, right? And it was great. And then multiplayer came out and you were like dialing up over modem. And that was the first time I remember seeing my bro run around and it's like this, right? It's like it's little character like sputtering. And ever since then, if you're not a gamer, you don't understand the rage that it brings when you lose because of your network, right? It's like, I can't imagine how many mice have flown across the room and how many keyboards have been smashed over that. And the fact that you all like focus on that. I remember the first time this goes back to like, I mean, in EverQuest, World of Warcraft, all of them, I would always pick, no one would let me pick servers anymore from my from the, our friend group because I would always pick the West Coast server, not realizing it. And our ping times, because we're all East Coast, would be horrible. And, yeah. you know, people, if, you, if you're not playing to understand how important that is and how much network infrastructure goes into a smooth gameplay experience, especially when it's competitive, for folks who don't know, some of these league, what was like, what are some of the league championship prizes, right? Isn't it in the six figures, like for some of this stuff, the amount of money that people can win professionally just blows me away. And and seeing- it's Solidly like, in the seven figures. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's hugely important. So without giving away any kind of trade secrets, how did you get that? Like, did you put your own network switches in like ISP locations? Did you- what did you do to like give that capability so that because the internet, this is a little bit of Dave history. I did a bunch of WAN, so wide area networking in the beginning of my career. So this is like late 90s Cisco certifications. The amount of stuff that we get bounced around, I mean, just do a trace on packets to see where you're going. The thing could be like 
30 miles from your house and you're halfway around the world of how internet traffic gets routed. And that's bad for gaming. So yeah. did you, like, how did you all look at that? I'm just super curious. We established relationships with like local ISPs and like we're basically able to broadcast optimal routes back to our, you know, whether it be uh, our own pop, whereas kind of the one place where we still do invest in metal. Uh, or direct to like our AWS locations. Behind that, we have like a super high speed, like UDP proxy running just to ensure like gaming runs on UDP, right? You wanted to, you wanted to be screaming fast. And if you drop a packet here and there, it's, it's not that big of a deal. So we, you know, we've kind of got our own custom UDP edge to support that. But really the magic is in like establishing relationships with uh, as many ISPs as we can and ensuring that players can get an optimal an optimal route, an optimal path back, right? So you're not bouncing around, you know, like in North America, I could try to hit a, a game server in Ohio and for some reason it bounces me through Texas. Right. It's, it, it happens, right? It's just the, the path selection is a little random at times or, or unpredictable. So we've done our best to ensure that, you know, gamers in, in those regions, we can offer that type of support. They get the optimal path back to our, to our edge. Yeah, even um, like contrasting from regular ISPs, right? Like a normal ISP, they'll use what they call hot potato routing. They'll take your package. Yeah, they just want to get you out of there. Exactly, right? <laughs> right. It's it's actually quite the opposite. It's once the packet reaches Riot Direct, it's cold potato routing. We're going to take that packet oh. and let it ride all the way to the game server and back without changing ISPs. So once it hits Riot Direct, you have an optimal path directly to where it needs to go. And you're not working with other ISPs. And that's where like the magic of really peering with our other ISPs and maintaining these relationships really comes to fruition for Riot. It's because once they have like this global network of peered ISPs and they can grab those packets as soon as possible onto their own network, then yeah. they can take the optimal path directly to the game server and back from, for that particular player. Can you speak? Cause I imagine there's nothing worse when I'm, I've had a long day at work and I'm going to go sit down and game and there's someone with a chip on their shoulder and they feel like DDoS in the servers. I, is this like does this help with this like because you're actually looking at how packets are routed and is there different things maybe there's an AWS service but how do you all handle that in in 2023? So our that UDP edge I was talking about yeah that, that it is a there's a reason we do sort of our own thing there and we're also providing uh, like DDoS protection there right so we can we can handle an exorbitant amount of packets coming in through a DDoS and, and we can absorb that and keep the player impact minimal, right? So yeah, and you know, the, the team, uh, the engineering team behind that, they've done a great job making that product. It's a, uh, I, uh, I won't get too in the weeds on that. I don't, I don't want to get too into like the, I don't want to give it any it's, special, like, it's a very, it's a very fine tuned, you know, UDP proxy we've basically built and we can absorb pretty heavy levels of DDoS. Nice. Can you, you just have me thinking, can, can you just start from the whole, you've got this, I, I imagine you've got all these servers and you've got stuff in the cloud and you had your own data center. How did that all look? You know, are you, are you using Kates? Are you scaling? Like how did, how did that kind of like look from an infrastructure standpoint? How, like how did it used to look or how it looks now? Yeah, well, how did it used to look and, and how has that evolved over time? I think this is super Yeah, yeah that, so I've been riot, at Ride almost four years now and there's been a huge sort of shift to, you know, public cloud first 
um, and being a, a huge partner of AWS. In the past, it was, you know, we had a proprietary data center design. It, you know, it was what I would call like, uh, we had a fair level of automation around bare metal. We didn't really, you know, we didn't really start with a container engine or virtualization. That, that, so that was not prior to, like prior to 2019, very bare metal. We eventually shifted into running uh, containers, right? So Mesos, DCOS, not Kubernetes at the time. We rolled sort of our, you know, we, we highly customized uh, container orchestration and then uh, had some network overlay to help with some of the like software defined networking, right? That, I mean, caused more issues probably than we were expecting, kind of rolling our own, you know, doing a lot of highly customized stuff. And then eventually um, we've had to make the, had to make the shift to EKS and Kubernetes, right? Something a little more industry standard. The, the thing you have to like realize, Dave, is that uh, Riot went from only maintaining League of Legends, right? Like one monolith title to maintaining multiple titles like Valorant, Legends of Runeterra, yeah. and a lot of those games are not you know, built in 2010, right? These are modern titles built with modern game engines with modern cloud services in mind. So moving to a standardized platform like Kubernetes allows Riot to move into regions faster, uh, move into uh, new, uh, you know, basically just, yeah, players, locations or uh, areas where their players are, where they're not getting that particular uh, latency SLA. Having something like Kubernetes like helps them be able to scale and move into those regions faster. Yeah, that's definitely one of the nice things about being on a team where you're supporting multiple either products or platforms and having that kind of like shared infrastructure where you're able to like lean on things that the community is like building together and learning from. But you can also share that across the products, but just doing it at the scale that Riot is doing, just like all of it really is just amazing. So I guess oh, I've, I've been dying to ask you this question. I've and like, like, there's so many things coming from this that I just want to keep talking about. But Dave touched a little bit on this earlier. It was when you sit down to play games at home and you're worried about like the things that are happening. What games are you actually playing in your free time? And then there's going to be a second part to this question too. Um, Only Riot games. Only Riot games. Yeah. No, I, I wish I could say that. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I started, like, I'll be fully transparent here. I started playing League when I scheduled the job interview. It, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really, not really my style of game. Now, when I when I got in the door and heard we were building, a, um, you know, heard we were building Valorant, I got super excited. So in terms of, like, what Riot games do I play, I definitely play Valorant. But <laughs> outside of that, it was a lot of... It, a lot of CSGO, mm. and that's kind of what I've always stuck to. But yeah, I guess, uh, no, it was, I still don't play a ton of League. Like, we'll have team games. I'm the useless one that just can't figure it out. Like, it's just not, uh, I don't know. Not, not my thing. doesn't come naturally to me, but definitely I'll, I'll play some Val. The AWS account team actually plays against Riot on a yearly basis. So around Christmas time, we play against uh, some of the leaders from the infrastructure team in a kind of just a grudge match in league. AWS team has yet to beat Riot. Um, I wonder why, but uh, <laughs> you know, 2023 is our year. So we'll see how it goes. For people who are watching this podcast and can't see our faces, because we're actually on a video call together, I think my jaw just dropped and I just got really excited when I heard that because it sounds like so much fun. We talked a little bit about which games that you're playing, but which games does your infrastructure team support? Yeah, so we support every game. That's our our org infrastructure and operations. We're really primarily focused on gaming. Now, 
in in doing that, we end up dealing with like infrastructure globally. So there is there are plenty of things outside the games that we help with, but gaming is our focal point. So we and we support every game. There's not really uh, there's there's nothing being built out there that is sort of outside our remit. The the way I like to think about it is there's like the Riot infrastructure team and then there's the Riot games team. The Riot games team their job is to make that singular games container that will get put onto the game server. Whereas the infrastructure team is scaling and building and maintaining all the infrastructure that that container and many different sets of those, that same container is going to run on making sure it's working and up for players 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a game and it's made it to production, uh, it's, it's running on top of our platform. That That's actually one of the cool things Riot does actually that the kind of separates them or sets them apart is they they kind of like build abstractions around AWS services for their teams so that they're not necessarily directly consuming AWS services, but they're they're consuming a Riot opinionated version of a particular service. For example, like with EKS, they have their own kind of abstraction on top of it called R cluster that teams, you know, deploy services onto R cluster rather than deploy directly onto EKS. So they're able to kind of uh, maintain some of the best practices that the infrastructure team has like kind of gained over the years. And, you know, like kind of in the Amazonian way, like remove the un- undifferentiated heavy lifting from the games teams and allow those folks to be creative, build out the game, make the most fun, you know, right? Finding the fun really is their job. I love that description of like finding the fun. And I love how you've just kind of explained how that works because I just think, I don't know, I think that's such a cool model. And we hear a lot about it in like DevOps days and other conferences where you're speaking about trying to take out that friction and be able to focus on delivering everything. And I just think that's a really, like, just really cool and eye-opening example. And I guess like speaking of cool stuff, is there any like really interesting types of technology that Riot's created that you can talk to me about or cool projects you've worked on here? That's a good question. Give me a second with that one. Maybe toxicity. I immediately yeah. started typing back, like voice toxicity is so cool. Do you want to tell me a bit about that one? Yeah, one of the things we've kicked off more recently is, you know, kind of a partnership with AWS around uh, voice toxicity. As we all know, gaming is great. Most gamers are great, but you do come across the odd person that just chooses to be toxic all the time. Uh, and that's what they gravitate towards. So we're um, we're working with AWS, uh, Modulate, and Spectrum Labs uh, to collect signals from from different areas, whether that's directly from the client, incoming audio signal, or transcribed audio for solutions across text and voice chat use cases. You know, we're we're gonna we're working on some machine learning models that that will help us basically detect and stay, you know, stay on top of. Uh, in an automated fashion, uh, voice toxicity. So looking for certain phrases or, you know, just those particularly toxic things that we could pick out. So yeah, I'm really, really excited about that and, and hoping that, you know, we can have, make it a big impact on the, the community. The the toxicity project even goes beyond just like bad words, right? It's more uh, even uh, larger in scope, right? It includes things like racism, social grooming, uh, bullying, right? Like uh, all of those things uh, aren't necessarily like one bad word, and they're they're not like looking for one particular phrase, and you're going to get banned, right? Like that that's not how this works. This is more of when someone within a game is going to report another player for a particular action that they took within that game. At that point, you're then uh, sent to an automated pipeline, which you know, using machine learning and all of the kind of uh, categories of toxicity, which Riot has done 
worked into uh, defining and labeling data for. Uh, it then categorizes that audio snippet into one of those like couple different categories. And from there, we can then send that off to player support to then issue either a ban or, uh, you know, chat restriction, things like that. Yeah, I just want to say like as a lifelong gamer, I've been gaming since I was young. I started a long time ago with like the online games and everything. It's really important to see this work being done and to making sure the community can have a good experience. And I think what you're saying too, it's not just a word. It's not just like, like, you know, looking for a swear. People get really creative with the ways that they insult other people and it makes the space not as enjoyable for everyone. And yeah, I just want to say, like, I really commend that. Like, it's so nice to see all of that progress that's being made. And yeah, Riot's I guess. working with a bunch of different uh, partners in the space, right? But like where AWS really can help is with some of the managed services, right? Like all the audio is going to have to be transcribed, right? Like mm-hmm. we have large language models that we've trained within Amazon Transcribe in order to do things like that. So we can help bring down the level of effort into classifying these types of things, but also then there's like the real data science behind it, right? And that, that's where we partner with many different vendors as well as, you know, our own internal teams in order to like solve this mutual goal for Riot and the games industry as a whole. I love it. You know, and just to add on to what Jackie said, like as a dad of two gamer girls, even like Xbox when they were young, the things that were said to them, and I, I basically, I was shocked and I would, we would make sure we always reported. I was like, this is what we have to do. This isn't a you thing. This is the other person. And so it's great to see technology. It's almost like an AI guide, you know, and, and able to scale that up in a way. And for those of people who don't know, guides were basically volunteers going back to early MMO days that would like look at situations that were happening between players. So thank you all for, for doing that. And along the lines, Ashwin, you mentioned like AWS services and all. I just have a quick question around as someone who hasn't written games in the cloud, like what does that look like? How do you test? Do you have, you know, are there build farms, mobile devices? How does that all change things when you do game development in the cloud? I mean, there's like a couple of different like uh, services that we have, but I think the one that's most relevant to Riot is probably our mobile device farm, right? So Riot has recently released a couple mobile titles like Wild Drift. It's probably the most notable one. I think there's a couple more coming out, TBD. But, you know, they, they use Mobile Device Farm to really test their games, the application, across all the different devices that really exist and, and that we have access to within Mobile Device Farm. That way they can really hone in on the end player experience and make sure that, you know, when you download the application from the App Store or Google Play Store, it's not going to have pre-existing issues on that particular device, right? Like, it's, it's really a quality of life, quality of service type of thing that they they use um, device farm for. And the other thing is they don't have to also procure these devices themselves, right? Like I know that's always a headache is figuring out like how do we actually procure every single one of every single mobile phone and set it up yeah. in a data center, right? Like that that's a hassle in and of itself. So AWS provides that service to them so they don't need to do that. Um, we do all the procurement and setting up of the mobile phones and they just load their application on there and receive the error logs. Um, maybe one day I'll get consoles in there too. Monday into device farm. There's always like just back to that like game, you know, game development in the cloud. It also just like it really helps us iterate faster. Like you know, we can stamp out environments like I don't want to say push button, but it's it's very highly automated. Our account build and and cluster build procedures. We can we can get this stuff up and running really quickly. We can provide environments for 
new teams or like a you know a new environment they want to test some new feature it really helps us iterate on stuff a, a lot faster has sort of been my experience right like building in labs out of metal even just running your your own perf lab that can be really tricky now that you know we're sort of primarily focused on aws as our you know sort of first class citizen that's where you know we we prefer to run our workloads it allows us to just tailor things to uh, a higher level of automation we can just work a lot quicker one uh, really good anecdote that I have is I, I was working with Riot's, uh, I think it was their enterprise IT team, and they were running, before we released EC2 Mac, they were running uh, Mac minis in a closet, just all stacked up on top of each other with a box fan pointed at them for the cooling, like just like, please don't let this I'm fail. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because I've been in that situation as an ops I have the picture, too. it's funny. And after we released uh, EC2 Mac and uh, Riot was one of our flagship kind of uh, customers for that product, that entire closet got, you know, just ripped out and, you know, no longer do we have like an 80 degree closet with, you know, a bunch of Mac minis in it. I feel like a lot of people talk about skeletons in the closet, but for a lot of operations folks, it was actually like Mac minis or other forms of computers in a closet that just had a ton of fans and you were just hoping that it just was enough to do it, the job. Like, <laughs> sorry, I feel like there's been so much in this conversation that I really want to dig into. And it's been so much fun. Like, uh, but just as we're coming up on time, um, one of the last things I wanted to ask about is since we're speaking a little bit about gaming and a little bit about the cloud, I've heard we've got this thing uh, that we're doing together called the League of Legends Game Day. Do we want to talk about that a little bit and what it is and what the challenges are for it? Yeah, I can give you like a brief kind of overview, right? So the League of Legends Game Day is uh, kind of one of the things that we partnered with Riot to bring to League of Legends fans across the world, specifically last year for the League of Legends World Championship. So we ran this event in San Francisco with around uh, like 150 fans of League of Legends who, you know, showed up for the event. Basically what it is, is a gamified kind of workshop for learning AWS, where you get to actually use real Riot Esports data to train a model where you're training a model which is going to allow you to predict the winner of a particular League of Legends Esports match. So given all the prior games uh, within the 2022 League of Legends series, can we build a machine learning model to predict if two, if team A faces team B, like who's going to win, right? And what's the percentage? So basically, the uh, the idea of the game day is people that are uh, participating in it have to compete to try and understand League of Legends the best and figure out what are the best features within the League of Legends data set to train that model on, so that they get scored on it and get the best uh, metrics, and then finally, you know build an API around that endpoint and build a front-end application. So that uh, kind of uh, series of three steps are how you complete the game day. And we're going to be running this event. The next one is going to be at the AWS Summit in Madrid, um, but we're kind of running it globally this year. So AWS Summit in Madrid, in Shanghai, in Taipei. But the one I'm most excited for is for League of Legends World Championship 2023 in Seoul, Korea. It's going to be really fun. Also, it's, you know, the Super Bowl of esports, so it cannot be amazing. It really is. And for anyone who's listening to this at home, I just want to say, like, having been there in person last year, it was such an amazing event. There was so much high energy at both the Worlds and our game day, actually, too. So if you have the opportunity to be able to go and participate in these, definitely do. It was so much fun. We, like, most people that came, almost everyone actually came out saying that they'd learned something new. 
And just the opportunity to actually work with that real game data is just not something you usually get to find. So it's really cool to do it. It's really cool to participate. And yeah, I think that kind of is bringing us towards the end of this episode. And it's been so much fun. I've really enjoyed this. Like, I just can't convey that enough how much I've enjoyed this. Just for anyone that's listening, can we just kind of share a little bit about where folks can find you online and how to get in touch? Yeah, uh, I'm terrible with social media. So uh, no no Twitter for me. You can check out the Riot Games tech blog. Hopefully we'll have a link to this and, and some other cool stuff coming up there. There's plenty of links to some reInvent talks that'll be provided. Uh, those are all worth a watch just to get more of the, the details on how we've done stuff. You know, for me personally, uh, it'll it'll be LinkedIn. Boring old LinkedIn is, is where you can find me if you if you want to get in touch. And then for me, yeah, LinkedIn's another good spot. We also have a dedicated page for Riot on aws.amazon.com slash sports slash Riot. And there you can follow all the cool things that we're doing with Riot throughout 2023 and 2024. We've got a lot planned, so excited to see where it goes and see the excitement we bring from it. Love it. I'll make sure I add all those links. This was great. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. We have to do another episode and dive even deeper into maybe some of the the infrastructure. I know uh, the audience is this is going to be definitely a favorite. This is it's it's the alignment of gaming and technology. Isn't that why we're all here? So yes. Thank you for last. <laughs> thank you. So exciting. We did it. Yay. <laughs> again or oh dave i think you're muted dave, you're muted <laughs> i suck at computers i got i was just saying i got your back and i edit this whole thing myself yeah, so yeah that's what i figured okay. however you want yeah yeah okay. yeah we can do it however you want okay uh we're just start the question again and then i can feel more natural i guess yes now i'm trying to remember exactly how i phrased it cool new technology I yeah guess.